You are listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Good show heading into the weekend. NFL draft coverage last night. We got a lot to talk about there. We've got some NBA news to discuss. After the Bucks' loss to the Miami Heat, Giannis had quite an interesting take that everyone's talking about, and I'm not sure I really understand where he's going with this. Shohei Otani pitched yesterday and hit. Not a typical Shohei Otani outing, but still pretty damn good. And if we can get to it, I'm going to talk a little bit about Deion Sanders and what he's doing at Colorado. And we will get to all that momentarily. Let's start with the NFL draft. And the thing about the NFL draft is it is, you know, it's obviously NFL we know is king in sports. It dominates. It has the highest TV contracts. It's the most watched sport in the United States, and it's not even close. 75 of the most watched television programs in any given year are NFL games, regular season, playoffs, Super Bowl, all of them. It just It's unbelievable how much the NFL dominates this world, which is why the NFL is getting to a point where they want to become a year-round league so they can be talked about at all times. And the NFL draft used to be, where did they used to hold it? At Radio City Music Hall? And it was televised, but it was like only a few hours, and then I think the weekend stuff wasn't even televised. I don't even remember what it was like back in the day, but now it is a full-blown event, and the amount of coverage given to it is astronomical, and the bottom line is the NFL is an inexact science. The draft is an inexact science. I can't tell you how many people thought so-and-so was going to be an absolute stud in the NFL and bombed, and then you get people like Tom Brady who get picked 199th and have the career that they did. Like, nobody can tell you exactly 100%, oh, I know this guy's going to be great, or, oh, I know this guy's going to suck. You don't. It's a prediction. You might think it, but nobody really knows, and these teams don't really know. Take last night, for example. Anthony Richardson, quarterback out of Florida, Started 13 games his whole career at Florida. Had a completion percentage under 60%. And here he is going fourth to the Indianapolis Colts. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say he's going to suck in the pros. I'm not going to say he's going to be a star in the pros. The bottom line is, pretty much for all these players that were picked last night and all the players that are going to be picked in round two and round three tonight and all the players that are going to be picked in rounds four through seven over the weekend... You don't know how they're going to play in the NFL. You don't. You just have a prediction. But it wouldn't be compelling TV if every single analyst up there said, yeah, I don't know how he's going to fare in the NFL. We'll have to see. What about pick number two? I don't know. We'll have to see. But basically, that's what the draft is. And it drives me nuts that we're getting already, and we see this every year. This isn't anything new. But today, go on the enter- entertainment sites, or go on—I mean, go on the sports sites. What are they doing? Grading teams' draft. How can you grade something when these guys haven't played a snap in the NFL? What are you grading? How they played in college? Yes, I understand. They're also grading: Are they a fit for the team that drafted them, or why did the team draft them? Oh, we give them an A because they needed a quarterback, and they got a quarterback. Great. What if he sucks? oh, this team needs defensive line help, and boy, did they get one in this guy. Well, what if he's not any good? <laughs> like, 
it's just the grade system is so stupid. I don't want to say the draft is stupid. I'm just saying it's probably fun for the kids. It's fun for their family. It's a lifelong dream, especially if you're at the draft and get to walk out there and bear hug the commissioner. Some of them even pick him up now. Uh, the, the, the hugging on stage is very, very bizarre, but another story for another day. But I'm sure it's fun for the kids. I get that. It's a lifelong dream to play in the NFL for these guys. I get it. I'm just talking about the analyst side of it. You're analyzing every single thing they did in college. But this is now the NFL. Some, what they did in college, translates well to the NFL. And they'll be good. But you still don't know that yet because they haven't taken a snap. So why are we grading teams? It's kind of like recruiting classes in college. Yes, if Alabama signs 15 five-stars, of course they're going to get an A. And of course they're going to be like, well, they had the best recruiting class. But if those guys don't end up playing, get hurt, end up in the transfer portal, what did getting an A or having the number one recruiting class in a certain year mean if a lot of those guys don't pan out? Who cares that they were the number one recruiting class at the time? Again, they haven't stepped foot on a college field. So it's all kind of the same. It all runs the same. There's no difference between the NFL draft and recruiting in college football. There isn't. It's the same thing. You're guessing of how a guy is going to do at the next level. I don't know if Bryce Young's going to be any good. He was good in college. And the people that work with him, the Mannings and the quarterbacks, uh, gurus and all this stuff say he's got the tools. Well, so did so many others coming out of college that ended up flopping in the NFL. There's no rhyme or reason. He could have a NFL pedigree and everybody in his, he could have five people that are related to him play in the NFL. It doesn't mean anything for him. It probably helps him in terms of getting drafted and, you know, teams will look at that like it's in their genes. Look at them. It just comes from a football family. He's got to be good. Well, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily mean that. So I'm not rooting for any of these guys to fail. And, yeah, I have opinions on some of the people that were picked and, and where they were picked and, and, and whatnot. But ultimately, we don't know until these guys step on the field, and we won't see that until September. So for the next three days, it's just going to be all this analysis on all these guys and who went where and, boy, did they help each other and, boy, did they really, you know, the, the Philadelphia Eagles defense is basically uh, the Georgia Bulldogs defense from the last two years. They've got four guys now from the national champion Georgia Bulldogs the last two years off their defense. I mean, it's pretty amazing. So you would say, like, wow, Georgia's defense, really good in college football. The Philadelphia Eagles now have four of those guys on their defense. So should that pan out? Yes, it should. Will it? Time will tell. So it's one of these things where I, I, I do like the spectacle of the draft. Last year in Vegas I thought was pretty cool. And this year in Kansas City, as much as I love football, as much as I am a football geek, college, pro, gambling on it, all that stuff, you couldn't pay me to show up in an NFL draft. Not even for night one where it's just 32 picks, even though last night was 31 because the Dolphins lost their pick. You couldn't pay me to show up there and sit there for four hours just to listen to guys' names being called and walk on a stage. I mean, that's all it is. What are you doing there? You know, dress up in your team and you paint your face and you're like, yeah, go Giants, go Steelers. Great. <laughs> I guarantee 95% of the people that were 
in Kansas City last night, and not just Kansas City, wherever the draft is held every year. They're moving it around every year now. Last year in Vegas, the year but one year they did in Chicago, right? I guarantee 95% of the people that are there dressed in jerseys and painted their faces outside of maybe the quarterbacks probably have no clue who their team drafted and never watched them play college ball. Just it's the way it goes. <laughs> so that's why I find it funny. But, yeah, I have it, – it, it's, it's entertaining to watch on TV – but my gosh, I would never be caught dead at one of those things. It's just like, really? A draft? Bill Burr, the comedian, did a whole piece on this that was hilarious about what are you doing watching an NFL draft? And he was just talking about the people watching it on TV. And I think just the draft in general, what it represents. And obviously also talking about the people that were there that are there in attendance. It's a it's a great bit. And I and I couldn't agree with it more because it's just like great we're walking we're watching people walk on stage because they're not playing a game <laughs> they're not getting out there and throwing any passes they're dressed in suits and it's it's all the stuff around it that we're commenting on really how many hot blondes did will levis have on his arm last night it seemed like every time they shot to him in the, in the green room he he had different women all around him that was the thing i was looking at the people around the draft picks a lot of women and a lot of good-looking women and you're just like well who are who are they and why are they all there uh funny stuff anyway um we'll probably have more to talk about at the end of the weekend and on monday's uh sports daily what i'm going to do is i'm going to go over all 32 teams in the nfl and i'm going to grade their draft yeah, right. Anyway, uh, enjoy your NFL draft this weekend. We talked yesterday about the Milwaukee Bucks choking in their first round series as the only sixth number one seed to lose to an eight seed in the NBA playoffs. But it was probably the worst one because they lost in five. Two of the two of them were th- uh, five ra- five game series. So I don't even really count those. And three of them were seven-game series, but they all went six games. This one went five. The number one seed loses in five games to a Miami Heat team that was one of the worst offenses in all of the NBA this past season. And yet in the playoffs, they have the number one ranked offense against the Milwaukee Bucks. It literally made no sense what we saw. If Miami was beating them, you know, 106-102, or 103-98 in these games, it'd be like, okay, for whatever reason, Milwaukee just having trouble scoring this series. No, Miami's putting up 119 was the smallest point total they put up in five games. It's a Miami team that literally had trouble scoring for 82 games in the regular season. It made no sense. And it was a Miami team that almost didn't even make the playoffs. They lost in the first play-in game and had to beat a two games under 500 Chicago Bull team to even get to the playoffs, and then you beat the number one seed in five games. It, it's made no sense. So obviously after the game, Giannis Antetokounmpo was asked by a reporter who apparently asked the same question last year after they lost in the playoffs, do you consider this season a failure? And I'm sure you've seen his quote going around. All the media people are loving this quote. And basically Giannis is saying, look, Michael Jordan played for 15 years. He won six rings. Or the other nine years that he didn't win a ring, a failure? And he's saying, 
there is no failure in sports. You have good days, you have bad days, but every time you lose, if you lose, you're building towards something. We did not fail. And I don't know if I agree with that. I'll just take the Dallas Mavericks, for example. The Dallas Mavericks made the Western Conference Finals last year. They didn't make the playoffs this year. I'm supposed to say the season was a success? So I think what we're doing is just debating the word failure. Like, what does the word failure mean to you? And I think Giannis is playing the semantics game here with the word failure. Because the guy just flat out asked him, did you consider the season a failure? And he said, absolutely not. And he went into this two-minute rant about why it wasn't a failure. And he said, you know, you're looking for a promotion at your job. Like, this journalist, like, your goal is to get a promotion at work, right? You know, every year you want to get better, you want to get better, you want to make more money. If you don't make more money, you don't get a promotion. Did you fail? No, you didn't fail. You're just doing a good job. You have you you might have done a good job, but for whatever reason, you couldn't get a promotion. That doesn't mean you failed. So what the what he's not taking consideration is but Giannis, you were the number one seed. You were supposed to win. Don't tell me this season wasn't a failure to you guys, because it was. You were the number one seed, and you didn't get out of the first round. You lost in five games to a very average Miami Heat team. What If it's not a failure, what are you calling it then? Because he didn't replace it with another word. He just said, you have good days and you have bad days. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I get that. But, you know, like I said, looking at the Dallas Mavericks, they went from Western Conference final appearance last year against the Golden State Warriors where they lost in six to not making the playoffs. I can't consider that anything other than an abject failure by the Mavericks basketball organization this year. But in Giannis's mind, they didn't fail. Your goal is to win a championship every year. If you don't reach that, does that mean failure? And that's where I said, I think we're talking about semantics here. It doesn't mean you're a failure in life. It doesn't mean you, you can never get better. And boy, you're just a giant failure. It is okay to say this particular season, Giannis, your team failed. Does it mean you're a bad guy? It doesn't mean all your teammates are losers. It just means this particular season, your team failed. And I think he was taking it maybe personally. And it's just, he really dug into the word failure, I believe. Like I said, playing the semantics game. That's the way I looked at it because I, what it, what do you call it if you're a number one seed and you lose to an eight seed? What do you call your season? You're certainly not calling it a success. You're calling it a step back. Uh, clearly, it's not a step forward. They got further in the playoffs last year, so you know uh, it, it. and I'm I'm just I'm amazed at how many. People in the media are just loving this quote and putting the video out there, and this is what we need to teach our kids. No, I think it's okay to teach your kids. It is okay to fail. It's how you respond to failure is what builds character. It's how Milwaukee comes back next year and responds to this embarrassing first-round exit and how Giannis responds to this embarrassing first-round exit. It is okay to fail. I almost feel like this is the opposite message you want to be sending. There's no such thing as failure? 
I, I don't agree with that at all. And I'm stunned at how many people in the sports media are just drooling all over this soundbite from him. To me, it's okay to fail because I think failure builds character. But what do I know? More NBA news. The Clippers in their exit interviews today base or yesterday basically said, hey, it sucks. We wish we would have had our full complement of players, but Kawhi is an all-time player. He's one of the five best players in the league, and we are building around him, and we are building around Paul George. It's like, okay, if that's what you want to do, that's great. But I read you the statistics. Kawhi hasn't missed less than 25 games since 2019. And this guy has had numerous knee injuries. So when it happens again next season, and what if it happens again in the playoffs, you can't be there sitting there scratching your head like, man, didn't see this coming. The guy has proven to be a liability because he can't stay healthy. If you want to continue to build around him, that is fine. That is your discretion. But when it happens again next season, which it inevitably will, most likely, I can't say inevitably, but most likely because it's happened five seasons in a row. And by the way, he's not getting any younger. Are his knees all of a sudden going to get better as he gets older? Uh, the Clippers are just, I, I said yesterday, they're in a world of hurt because if you let him go, then you got to blow the whole thing up. And they're sticking by him, which, uh, great. That's great loyalty. But when the same thing happens next year, you can't be like, huh. It's like almost like you, you know what's coming. We know what's going to happen to the Clippers next year. At some point, Kawhi and or Paul George are going to get hurt, miss a ton of games, and it might even happen in the playoffs, and it'll cost them a playoff series, and we're back to where we were this year. So just remember this conversation, April 28th, 2023, come NBA playoffs next year. Because we're probably going to be having the same. Maybe the Clippers get two rounds in. Maybe they get to the Western Conference Finals. But we're going to be having this conversation next NBA playoff season. I guarantee you. I don't trust him. Why should I? It's five straight years. The guy can't stay healthy. Sorry, Clippers. And let's just end with a little Shohei Otani. So you know the statistic I gave you earlier this week. 28 innings this year. He'd given up eight hits, two earned runs. <laughs> just ridiculous numbers. Had never allowed a hit the third time through the order. And I had the actual numbers. I said the batting average was 0, 0, 0. Hitters were 0 for 24 with 15 strikeouts. Third time facing Otani in a game. Yesterday, very weird game by Otani. Mowed through the first three innings, didn't give up any hits, and had struck out six through three innings. And then in the fourth inning, just lost it. Two hit by pitches, a couple walks, two home runs given up. And then overall for the game, he ends up going six innings. He only gave up three hits, but he gave up three hits and two walks, and all five of those runs scored. So he still now, you add those to the innings, so he's now at, what, 34 innings, and he's given up 11 hits. But now he gave up five runs. Obviously, that is two and a half times more runs than he had given up all season. So his ERA went up quite a bit. Not quite a bit, but he's still obviously great. But, yeah, just a, an off an off day, especially when you start out the game just mowing down an Oakland A's team that's one of the worst teams in all of baseball, and you don't give up a hit through three innings and you strike out six of the twelve, uh, six of the nine batters, six of your nine outs are strikeouts. You're like, okay, here comes another Otani dominant performance, and then in the fourth inning he just lost it. 
But still, overall, 34 innings pitched, 11 hits given up, and seven runs now total. Oh, yeah, and what did he do at the plate? He was two feet away from hitting for the cycle. He had hit a single, double, and triple, and in his last at-bat in the eighth inning, he flew out to the deepest part of center field. The guy caught it right up against the wall. So he almost hit for the cycle in a, in a game where didn't pitch great. Worst, obviously, worst start of the year, but still absolutely amazing what he's doing. It's just, it's just stupid. It's just ridiculously stupid. Anyway, um, oh, one final thing in the NBA. Boston Celtics close out the Atlanta Hawks, but, man, it was a tough one because all fourth quarter up until the final three minutes, that game was so many lead changes, so many ties, and then Atlanta was up 113-110, I want to say, with around three or four minutes left, and Boston hit three consecutive three-pointers to go up 119-113, and then that was basically the game at that point. That was uh, that was the spurt they needed. But, man, an unnecessary game that they needed to play. I mean, they had to play it because the series was still going. I meant unnecessary in that they shouldn't have lost game five at home when they had a double-digit lead with six minutes left. But they're moving on to the next round. They will play the Philadelphia 76ers, and I would think with the other series in the East being the Heat and the Knicks, most people are saying, you know, the winner of the Celtics Sixer series is going to represent the Eastern Conference in the NBA Finals. Can't say I disagree. I mean, can you? I, I mean, I, I, a lot obviously depends on Joel Embiid's health. But I, I don't see the Heat or the Knicks beating either of those teams. I don't know who's going to win that Boston-Philly series. If we get a full, healthy Joel Embiid for seven games, I think Philly can win that series. No, they don't have home court advantage, but I think Philly can win. Boston hasn't impressed me at all in this series. They had two good games at home to start the series where they blew out Atlanta, but I don't think they played well in the final four games at all. Giving up a lot of points. I thought they were a good defensive team. They've been terrible defensively against Atlanta so um, we'll we'll dissect that more tonight obviously the two big games Golden State at home looking to close out Sacramento Lakers at home looking to close out the Grizzlies we'll see if that comes to fruition if they both do I don't know when that series starts it doesn't start Sunday does it do they turn back around and have Lakers Warriors game one on Sunday I don't know I don't know if it starts that quickly it might but we'll see Um, I know the NBA like I said yesterday the NBA is hoping for for Warriors Lakers round two, Steph LeBron, I am. I, I'd love to see it. So uh, we'll see what happens tonight, and then Monday we're gonna have a lot to talk about. Like I said, we're gonna break down all 32 teams uh, draft. Yeah, I'm kidding. No, we won't. Anyway, thank you all for listening. Really appreciate it. Please rate, subscribe, and review in Apple Podcasts. It helps the podcast so much. Especially if you give it a five star, give it a nice rating, and maybe leave a nice comment. I'd really appreciate it. Pass it along to your friends and whatnot. So hope you all have a great sports weekend. And remember, sports will always be the greatest reality show on television. See you.